The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 7th chapter. From there Jesus arose and he went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He entered a house he did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. Immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him. She came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. He said to her, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and she found her child lying in bed and the demon gone. Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and he went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a man who was deaf. He had a speech impediment. They begged him to lay his hand on him. Taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. He looked up to heaven. He sighed and he said, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released. He spoke plainly. Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. And go ahead and have a seat. Start our Bible talk message time today with having us think about the idea or the word called boundaries. If I was to ask you, how would you define or how would you describe a boundary? What would be some of the things that you would, would come to your minds? Boundaries. What comes to mind? Fences. Yes. What else? Limitations. Yeah. What else? Boundaries. Borders. Yeah. Rules. Protection. You see the diversity in this? One word, boundaries. And we're already getting the diversity of things. There's some other things, though. What else comes to mind? Boundaries. Separation what? Don't get too close. There's that classic thing we do as Christians. Oh, Jesus, we want you to come over here, but not that close. Right? Come over here, but not that close. Um, anything else with boundaries? There might be a couple others. Any other thoughts that come to boundaries of what's already been said? The football sideline, that is a hard boundary. I was on one on Friday night watching our, our youngest play, and oh my gosh, I want to be closer. It's not, ah. What else? There was something over here. Rules. All right, that's a great start to the idea of boundaries, our little talk about this gospel lesson today. Think about these. These are the ones that I came up with. Fences, the walls. That's popular or unpopular in our country conversation these days. The walls, a line. Sometimes it might be something just like a no trespassing sign. 
you don't have to have a fence. You just start seeing signs. Sometimes they put a special color paint on trees to mark things to know that when you're off of one property off the, onto another. How about just the positioning of a person or an object? Just You can set something outside of touch. You know, you've got little ones. There's a boundary. You just put it further back on the cabinet. They can't quite reach. They'll get creative, start climbing over stuff eventually. But, you know, there's boundaries. But how about this as a boundary? I can create a boundary just by coming over here. We have a lot of folks here today with the baptism. It's an exceptional day. Um, but I can make a boundary just by doing this. Just turn my back to them. Right? I can, you can create boundaries you know, if there's, a, if there's a circle of people, it's closed. Anybody outside the circle is not part of the circle. We make boundaries in a variety of ways. So position of ourselves, postures, words, rules. But every time you think about boundaries, there's at least two pieces. Think about like the ocean. It's separated from the land. It's at least two, but you also got the air. So you've got three components working in there. But wherever there's a boundary, there's at least two. There's two, at least two parts two sides um, making a limit making a border now the, the reasons for boundaries what are the reasons for boundaries we've already mentioned a couple of them one we might be able to keep bad things or foul things at a safe distance you put trash in a plastic bag you zip it closed it's like you're trying to keep the smell and the trash apart you might want to put criminals who have no capacities of limiting their bad behaviors. You might put them in a place where there's boundaries. Um, something that is dangerous, you can keep at a safe distance with boundaries. You might be able to protect your privacy with boundaries. There's another aspect to boundaries. A boundary could be in place to keep something that is really good and really treasured close. Think about the rules we have for our children and those that we love most. We set boundaries for them because we want them safe and protected and blessed. Um, to keep, have someone you stay close, to keep something that is value and ha- in, in a healthy location to protect what is most dear, boundaries. Now, we pause to consider these boundaries. Think about this as an example. You've been working hard, really hard outdoors, doing some yard working kind of outdoorsy chores perhaps. You're dusty, you're dirty, you've been in the heat. You look bad, you're unkept, you're just a mess, your clothes are dirty and stuff like that. You look bad, but you smell worse. Okay? Now, someone might come by to visit in that place. Do you not, do you kind of like go around the side and tell the other person to go meet them at the door while you try to clean up because you don't want them to see? Do you establish some boundaries with that? Or if they see you and they come right up to you and you're in that condition, do you refuse a hug saying, I'm too dirty, I smell too bad, don't give me a hug right now? Maybe you don't want them to know how bad you are. Maybe you don't want to know how bad you smell. Maybe you don't want to contaminate them. That's a boundary. Here's another one. That same person, flip it. You're not the dirty, you're not the one who's been working. Maybe you're the one who's visiting. And you've traveled quite a ways and you're watching them. And you know that they look bad and you already know from life experience that they probably smell worse. It's not a big deal because you're proud of their effort. You're grateful to see them. You love them so much that you just want to put a great big old hug and maybe even a kiss on their cheek just saying, I love you, regardless of what their condition is. You want them to receive your love in spite of their condition. You want to cross boundaries. There's a lot to this topic of boundaries of what's clean, what's unclean, what's in need of being cleansed, healed, restored. 
With that stuff in mind, let's go to Mark's Gospel. In Mark's Gospel, there is an enormous emphasis in these first seven chapters on boundaries. In today's Gospel lesson, boundaries are not played down. They're not overlooked. They're not diminished. They're actually just the opposite. They're highlighted. They're exposed. And they're being revealed and, and discussed. Um, in today's Gospel lesson, reread the story of a Syrophoenician woman. That tells you that she's not a Jewish person. She's outside of Jesus' circle. All right? This story is a culmination, if you will, in Mark's book about a series of boundary crossings. And Jesus, in this very first chapter, in chapter 1, Jesus touches a leper. That was a, a tremendously wrong boundary to cross. If this person had leprosy, and they have no medicine for this, if this person has leprosy, you were to stay away. Actually, that leper was supposed to stay way away from everybody. You didn't see your family again. You didn't see your friends again. If you were lucky, your community would go out and put bread on a, on a log or a stone for you. That after they left, you could come and retrieve. They were unclean. They were going to contaminate you. If you touched a leprosy person, you might have gotten the disease, but more than that, you would be unclean for everybody else around you. And what Jesus does is he reaches across and he, he touches a leper. Later on in this book of Mark, there's another one. In chapter 5, Jesus is crossing over. He said, we're going to go the other side. He is crossing a very big boundary. It's this water to get to the other side. And on the other side was a Gentile world. And in that Gentile world, there were going to be herds of pigs. And that, where he stepped off, there were catacombs. There were the places they buried their dead. And on top of that, pigs and the dead, which were all very unclean to these Jewish people. There was a man who was possessed, not with one demon, but with a legion of demons. Jesus says, we're going over there. He crosses this boundary. He steps foot on that. And he was neither afraid, intimidated, or corrupted, or contaminated by it. When he stepped foot there, he told the legion go. They went to pigs and they died. The man was healed and he went back home and he redeemed the land. Later on in chapter 5, he's touched. There's a woman who touches him and he's not made unclean. He brings healing to her. As he's going through a crowd to, to visit the, the, the child of a soldier who, or an official that was dying, as he's going through a crowd, a lady just touches the hedge of his robe. And this woman who was unclean, she had uncontrolled flows of blood. She was considered unclean. She is now made healed. She is healed. He wasn't contaminated. She was raised up. A boundary was crossed, and that was the effect of it. Another one, you don't touch dead people and dead things. The Jewish people didn't, didn't do it. But the little girl who had died, he grabbed her by the hand. He said, little girl, get up. He wasn't made dead, and he wasn't made unclean. He brought life. Just before this one, Mark chapter 6, the marketplace was a place the Jewish would have paid a lot of attention to staying clean. They would have been paying attention to what they touched, what they didn't touch, who they would talk to, who they wouldn't talk to, what kind of foods would they purchase, which kinds of foods they would not have purchased. Was it kosher? Was it was their hygiene and codes of, of being clean? Now this market, what we read in chapter 6, is pretty much the market's been taken over by a bunch of unclean, sick, diseased, needing people. Maybe with demons. Anything you consider unclean and stay away from, this whole market's filled with them. And Jesus goes right in the middle of this market. And everybody he brought healing to. He crossed over that boundary. And he brought healing to them all. Just last week, defiled hands. Oh, if you eat with defiled hands, he says, oh, Forget about those boundaries. It's not what goes in that's going to contaminate. It's what comes out of your heart. Your contamination's on the inside. And I came to heal that too. 
So that was just last week. So when Jesus does each one of these things in these first seven chapters of this book, He is firmly crossing and soundly crossing guarded social, religious, political, economic boundaries. Boundaries that were in place for a variety of reasons. Maybe good, maybe not. And He's doing this for a couple of reasons. As Jesus does this, He is boldly and shockingly, powerfully announcing these things. He's basically saying, I do not need protection. I will not be contaminated. I will not carry your diseases. I will bring you healing, but you're not going to contaminate me. He's saying that. I am not afraid. I don't need protection. Nothing's going to separate me. And another part of this thing is, not only will I not be contaminated or will I be brought down in anything diseased or unclean or, or death, on top of that, He is saying that I have come for this very reason and that nothing's going to separate me, this expression of the Father's love through His Son, nothing's going to separate me from the people of God, these children of God who absolutely need the love of the Father the most. Time and time again, he is crossing a boundary to make sure that whoever's on the other side of that boundary knows that I came for you and I came to set you free, to heal you, to redeem you. Jesus crosses boundaries even from heaven to earth because more often than not, it is those who need the restoration that are on the other side. It is His mission to enter the places of brokenness, the places that are unclean and defiled, to establish healing, to reestablish the way of the heaven and the holiness, and to restore them to such a way. Now with that said, why is it that some in this Gospel books, they receive this healing, this peace, this, this gift of heaven being established? Why is it some receive it, but others don't? The answer to that question can come in in the response or the presence of the Syrophoenician woman. Think about this woman. What a gift she is to the world. First, she's seeking Jesus until she finds Him. She has traveled a great distance to find some place. Not only did she get the town because he'd heard he's there, but now when he's shooing everybody else away and he's going to a place to hide, she's not going to stop looking. He went into the house of some friends, probably a Jewish community, a holy place, a sanctuary, if you will, so he could privately teach his disciples, his friends, some important things that have been going on. And this woman doesn't care if he's been gone to a secluded place and he's closed the doors to this house. She is seeking Jesus because she absolutely needs him. There's something about Jesus, a Jewish Messiah. She's not a Jewish person. She is seeking him. The boundaries will not separate her from what she's looking for. She's teaching all of us that even a Gentile who had no other options could turn to a Jewish Messiah and a Gentile could be have her answers, her requests granted. That's one thing she's teaching us. We seek in Jesus' response. The next thing she teaches us is there's this continuously part to this begging event. It says that she fell at his feet and she begged. The words that we would use for that, a better translation would be, she was continuously begging. Not only was she continuously seeking, but she was continuously begging. At this, I'll tell you, all right, baptism, Dad, come on up here. Just stand right here. You don't have to say anything. All you have to do is just stand. 
I want you to think about this. Okay, I have a, a strong guy here. He's a capable man, a capable father, previous soldier, right? Strong guy. What would it take for someone like me to kneel down and to beg? Have you ever been in such a place in your life where you fell at the feet of somebody and you begged? And you continuously begged? How desperate is this position of being at the feet of a man knowing that you have no power and he has power and you have no hope unless he gives it? What's it like, American people, for us to kneel in Tibet? It's kind of awkward for the guy standing here. It's even more awkward for me. Right? I don't, I don't beg. And I would never grovel at the feet of a man. Unless it was for my family. Maybe. Right? Thank you. Begging. This is... What's going on here, folks, is... It's beyond desperate. I don't think there's very... I can't say I've really met anybody that's begged, kneeling down at the foot of somebody else to be that desperate. It's demonstrating that she has a complete lack of power and Jesus has the power. She has no privilege. She has no room for negotiation. She has absolutely nothing to bring to this except begging and a plea for mercy. What a lesson for the Jewish disciples watching. All the Jewish people in that room on that day that are watching this yeah, I know, begging's no fun. The lesson for those Jewish disciples, the Syrophoenician woman is giving them a lesson that none of them would have ever done in their life. This woman, this begging Gentile dog of a woman, is breaking all the boundaries. She is not with a man. Her daughter has got a demon. She's about as unclean in the category you're going to get. She has violated their code by entering their house, unwanted, unwelcome. And now she's groveling at the feet of Jesus and she is touching him. She is in a place and she's not supposed to be and she's doing what she's not supposed to do. All the boundaries are being crossed. And on that day, she is teaching both Jews and Gentiles how to approach the authority and the power of this Jesus who will be the Messiah of God. Actually, from that day until today, and every day in the middle, every time we have heard this story about this Syrophoenician woman, she's not even named. She's just a Syrophoenician woman. Every time we hear this story, she's teaching us and the Jewish people and everybody who hears how to submit and express the authority of Jesus and just turn it all over to Him. We bring nothing and we only hope for His mercy. At first, to those who know the story of Jesus' life, this story about Jesus' response seems to be really out of character. He seems to refuse the request of a woman. He has not refused the request of someone in need for the whole first seven chapters. About two years of his ministry. Anytime someone came to Jesus, he said yes. Anytime they stopped him, he said, what do you need? They were interrupting him day in and day out for all of these chapters. And he never denied anybody, regardless of their condition. But on this day, he seems to deny them. What is going on? He says to her, let the children be fed first. 
It's not fair to take the children's food, i.e. the gifts of God for the Jewish people, and throw them to the dogs, the non-Jews. That's hard words. Now, is he speaking to her only? Or is he speaking to a greater group? Does he really believe this? Or is he speaking these words so that others might hear as well? Could it be that with Jesus' response, he is teaching not only his disciples, but he's teaching everybody that there is no limit, there is no boundaries to my healing power of love that I will not overcome? Is he saying that there's enough healing to satisfy all the Jews, and there's not only enough healing to satisfy all the Jews with the meal, but even out of the crumbs of my love, there will be enough to satisfy the needs of all the Gentiles, which is most of us. That there's no boundary, there is no sin, there is no people out there that with even my crumbs, I will not be able to love and forgive and give you everything you could possibly need, especially for eternity. He says to her, you're a dog. And she agrees. She's at his feet. I'm a dog. Fair enough. I know that I do not deserve a thing from you. But even dogs, Jesus, receive better treatment than what you just said to me. Can't you spare a few crumbs of grace? A few crumbs of mercy? forgiveness and love I'm not asking for a meal for myself she says that is not for me this crumb is not for me this crumb is for my little girl can you not give my girl even a scrap and Jesus knows that she gets it the Jews in the room didn't get it the disciples in the room didn't get it and maybe people who have heard the story for a thousand two thousand years didn't get it but she got it She knew who she was and who Jesus was and she was at his feet. Jesus tells her, for saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. The scraps, the crumbs of Jesus' love brought complete healing to a Syrophoenician woman. Boundaries. Have you ever thought of yourself as being too dirty to find Jesus? Too dirty to be embraced by Jesus? Have you ever thought of yourself as um, being too clean that you would ever be found kneeling at the foot of Jesus and begging? As you're here today and as you prepare to leave this day, consider the gospel lesson the answers, the questions, the events, and the boundaries. And with all these things swirling in your heads today, if you can remember a few things like this, remember this, that Jesus does not need protection from us, the sinners. We will not contaminate Him. Our sin is not greater than His capacity to forgive. We will not make Him dirty if we let Him give us a hug and embrace and say, I forgive you. He will not be contaminated by contact with the unclean. Not us and not anybody else that we think is more unclean. 
And then remember this, that all who are willing, all who find themselves in the position where they understand who they are and whose they are in the presence of God in His holiness, that everyone who falls at the feet of their Lord Jesus and who begs for a healing word, that we will not depart from that place of begging and need without being loved and healed and restored. If Jesus will love and heal and restore a Gentile dog, Syrophoenician woman with an unclean spirit as a daughter, how can he not touch anybody else? It's good news for us. Because we're the recipients. Ideally, we, each one of us, is that Syrophoenician woman hearing the words of Jesus saying, I do choose to be clean. And we're going to end with a prayer, so let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you'd help us to be a church that seeks you. Lord, we ask that you'd help us be a people that finds you. Lord, we ask that you help us be a people that will fall at your feet and that we will discover your love. And from that place, Lord, help us to invite others to join us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.